our Father in heaven. Lord, we are here at the end of quite a long day for most of us. Our bodies are tired and weary. Our minds have been concentrating. But I pray that you would please, once again, pour out your Spirit upon, upon us. That you might be able to speak directly to our thoughts and our feelings this evening. And Lord, we have done all that we can to shut out the world. May you please, Lord, grace us with thy presence. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want to continue, actually, last night from where we began, and I don't think we quite finished. As we looked in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 12, the Bible says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God. And what? The faith of Jesus. And then we went over to Romans chapter 10. If you've forgotten what that verse says, I'd like to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles back to Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 again. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. As we're looking at this topic of faith, where does faith begin? The Bible here in Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, So then faith cometh by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I can almost guarantee you at this moment that just as I have said that, as I've been reading from the Bible, you are increasing in what? Faith. Because you just heard the word of God. So this is the beginning point of our faith. If that is clear, please say amen. So faith comes by hearing, and when we hear the Word of God, somehow it does something supernatural to our thoughts and our feelings, and our faith is increasing. Now I want you to come with me to a parable this evening where we'll spend most of our time. It is found in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. When hearing is not enough. When what? Hearing is not enough. Friends, I want to present to you this evening that Romans 10, 17 gives us a beginning point where we can begin our journey of faith. But if you are still at the point of just hearing the Word of God, then this parable is for you. Luke chapter 8, and I want to begin in verse 5. Maybe it is a parable that is familiar to most of you, if not all of you. But verse 5 begins by saying, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Verse 7, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it, and what? Choked it, 
and verse 8, and other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit an hundredfold. So here, my friends, is a parable of what we call the four grounds. The four grounds. And here the sower goes out and he just scatters his seed wide and far, anywhere and everywhere, without a thought to where the seed would land. And sure enough, it fell on four types of ground. The first was what? Oh, the first was a wayside. The second, rocky or stony ground. Third, full of thorns. And the fourth, a good ground. If you jump with me down to verse 11, as we jump straight into the interpretation, the Bible says that Jesus said, the parable is this, the seed is what? The word of God. So the sower goes out to sow And he is scattering his seed far and wide, as all good Christians should do, as Jesus Christ has done. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. And he has thrown out that seed. He's given the word of God to everybody. And then it says in verse 12, those by the wayside are they that what? They that what? Hear. What are they hearing? So, if you hear the Word of God, what is happening? Tell me. Ah, somebody is following. Your faith is what? Growing. It's increasing. Because Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So, here... It says that those that are on the wayside, they hear. If you jump down with me to verse 13, it says, They on the rock are they which when they hear. Now, friends, what do these four grounds represent? Where do you hear the word of God? In the church. Anywhere else. It's a place called Wisma, MCA. We're not in a church, right? But what do we call this? A conference, a youth conference, even though we're all young at heart. It's still a youth conference, amen? Come on, young people, amen? Let us comfort those that are only young in heart. But do you hear the Word of God in the nightclub, yes or no? Do you hear the Word of God in the movie theaters, yes or no? Do you hear the Word of God in the bars, in the shopping centers? So where do you hear the Word of God normally? In the church. So friends, what do these four grounds represent? Christians. Tonight, I want to make the application, if you will allow me to, that tonight the four grounds represent those people that are sitting and standing in Wisma MCA. If you agree, please say amen. Amen. Okay. I'm glad you did agree. But in verse 12, it says, Those that are by the wayside are they that hear, and then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. That is quite a graphic representation, don't you think? How is the devil able to take the Word of God 
out of your heart? How is he able to reach his hand into your heart and take it out? Is he able to literally do that? Yes or no? Obviously not. So let's get a deeper understanding of what this means. Please come with me to Matthew chapter 13. Amazingly, you will find this parable in all four Gospels. And Matthew 13 gives us another perspective of what it means when the devil reaches into a person's heart and takes the Word of God out of their hearts. Verse 19 of Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, verse 19, the Bible says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside, which is exactly the ground we were just looking at. So friends, how is the devil able to reach into a person's heart and pull that word of God out. What is the problem there? In verse 19 of Matthew 13, it says, when anyone hears it but doesn't what? Understand. If you understand, please say amen. amen. Some of you sound like the wayside. The Bible says that when we don't understand the devil is able to reach into a person's heart and take the Word of God out. Now, there are a few reasons for understanding, or not, pardon me, not understanding. Number one, the blame is on the preacher. I speak, I speak, I speak, and you don't understand what I'm talking about. Number one, it is my accent. Number two, I'm speaking too fast. Number three, you just don't get what I'm talking about. Are you with me? I told you some of you sound like the wayside. Because it sounds like only 30% of you understand what I'm saying. But the first reason could be that the preacher could be at fault. And that is why you don't understand. The number two reason is... You might just come to church or come to this conference and you're playing on your Facebook, you're playing on your Twitter or whatever you like, or you fall asleep. And then when the preacher makes an appeal, whoever loves Jesus, stand up, oh, you get up. And then you go home and say, hey, dear, what, what was he talking about? And somewhere between here and your home, the devil reaches into your heart and he pulls the Word of God out because you don't understand. But in Matthew chapter 13, it gives us another reason why people do not understand the Word of God when they hear it. Please, come back with me to verse 15. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 15, the Bible says, For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, 
lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their hearts and should be what? Converted and I should heal them. Friends, there is a third reason why many do not understand and as a result, the devil is able to reach into your heart and pull out the word of God that has been preached. It is because you are not converted. Friends, what does it mean to be converted? Allow me to give you a very simple illustration. Who hates durian? You are my enemies. I see some of my our AIU friends raise their hands. My brothers... Malaysian durian is not the same as Thai durian. Amen? Oh, now you're awake. But what would it do for me to convert you to love durian? You have to taste it. So if you're not converted on durian, it's because you've tried it and you don't like it. Are you with me? Durian is like the truth. Equation. It is not is the truth. But please listen carefully. Because if you know what the truth is, you've tasted of the goodness of God, and you turn away from that which is good, like durian, You are unconverted. If you please, if you understand it, please say amen. amen. Many people do not understand what the word of God says is because they already know what it says, but they don't want to do it. Now you're quiet. Let me give you an example. Some maybe all, since I've already preached about it last night. We know the Ten Commandments, and the Bible says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And once in a while, as our Pastor Johnny Wong was talking about this this morning, once in a while, we say, God, but it's only once a month that we break the Sabbath. Or it's only once every three months that I break the Sabbath. Surely you can bless. And then you come to church and you serve in church, you play the piano, you pray, you, you lead out, you say happy Sabbath to everybody, but you never grow. You come to church and you listen to the sermon and you don't understand it. Why? It may be because you know what the truth is, but you don't want to live it. If that is clear, please say amen. amen. Now your amen is quieter. But this could be the first reason, and probably the main reason, why many Christians do not understand the Word of God. And the devil comes and takes that seed, which has not taken any roots in the heart, because the person didn't understand it, and he takes that seed and snatches it away. And the first state of the man is same as the last state. 
And brothers and sisters, I hope that you have come this weekend to expect a change. But that means you need to confess of your sins. That means you need to change the way you've been living. And you need to start applying the Word of God to your life. Amen? Amen. Luke chapter 8 and verse 13. We've looked at the wayside. They hear the Word of God and the devil comes and takes the Word of God out of their hearts. Verse 13. They on the rock are they which when they hear... Hear what? They hear the Word of God. And when you hear the Word of God, what's happening? Your faith is increasing. So these are they, when they hear the Word of God, they receive the Word with what? Joy. My brothers and sisters, it is those that go, Amen, the loudest. Amen. Amen. The Bible could be talking about you. I'm catching all of you tonight. But they receive the word with joy. These are the ones that come out of church and say, Oh, brother, powerful sermon. They're not just going to say, Happy Sabbath, thank you for the message. Which is 99% of the people. But this one Christian, he comes out and he's like, Pastor, oh, wonderful message. It spoke right to my heart. And he's coming out with tears. He receives the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe. And in time of temptation, fall away. What makes them fall away? Because temptation comes. After Sabbath, they've heard the message. They go home and now they are faced with temptations and trials. And they forget what they've heard and they fall away. Why? Let's go back to Matthew. So, if you haven't already figured yet, please keep a finger in Matthew. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 20. But he that receives seed into the stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it, yet hath he not roots in himself, but for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is what? He's offended. God, I was so willing to accept your truth. How could you let tribulation and trial come into my life? These people do not understand the will of God. My brothers and sisters, if you are expecting a smooth and happy and joyful Christian ride after you accept Jesus, you are very wrong. And if you... I'm going to be careful when I say this, but this is my belief. If you have a happy and joyful and smooth Christian life, it is maybe because you are already the devils. If you understand that, please say amen. Amen. Oh, even less. Because trials come upon everybody, yes. But Satan has special temptations and special trials for those who love God. Why? Because he hates the fact that you love God with all your heart. 
You are the special object of his wrath. Do you understand that? My friends, after Sunday, you will go home back to normal life. After Sunday, you're going to go back to the same life that you've been living before you came here. But I hope you'll go back different. Thank you, my brother. Why? You need to expect trials. You need to expect tribulation so that the words that you are hearing here now, friends, will build you upon a solid platform of truth that you can stand even though the trials come. What is the purpose of trials? Do you know? Please come with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 and verse 2 and 3. What is the purpose of these special trials? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Have you ever rejoiced when you're facing temptations? Oh, it is heavy. It is difficult. It is burdensome. But the only way you can rejoice is in verse 3. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh what? Patience. And in Revelation 14, 12, the Bible says, here is the patience of the saints. The faith of Jesus has been perfectly reproduced in them because they've gone through big trials. And as a result, it works patience. Friends, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Let me put it a different way. Count it all joy when people are gossiping about you. Count it all joy when you have a problem with Sabbath at work or school. Count it all joy when you don't know whether you have enough money to pay your bills and you still give time. Amen? Amen. Count it all joy. It's okay, friends. It's just a crying baby. It's just a crying baby. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Luke chapter 8 and verse 14. My friends, remember, this is referring to the people that are in the church, not in the world. Verse 14, and that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard, heard what? Heard what? The word of God. They go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. This group of people is commonly found in the young working adults. Why do I say this? For those that are beginning families or are just newly married or about to get married or those that are even coming out of university very soon. Why? Because when you come out and you start your life, you have lots of cares, bills to pay, loans to pay off, right? Got to make ends meet. Cares. And then what? Riches. All of a sudden, you've been working really hard for five years. You finally get that promotion that you've been longing for. And you 
have your salary doubled, all of a sudden you have a lot of money. And when you've been working hard and harder and harder until you retire, you have all these pleasures. Hardly shall a rich man enter into heaven, the Bible says. Friends, we're living in a day and age where it is necessary to own smartphones. Do you know how expensive they are? My mom used to pass out when she had to buy us running shoes. They're like 300 ringgit. Smartphones are like 1,800 ringgit. How can you afford them? Rich parents? Or maybe you worked really hard for these riches. Maybe even on Sabbath. Those that fell amongst the thorny ground were choked with the cares, the riches, and the pleasures of this life. And friends, I don't stand here, I don't stand here as one that's perfect. My family and I, we moved back to Malaysia. We have a burden for this country. But one thing it has made me do is relook at everything I own. And you know, I have a lot of stuff. I have a lot of stuff. And when I read the spirit of prophecy, as Ellen White, one of her first visions, she talked about this narrow way that the saints were walking. Have you read that before? Let me describe it to you. When they started out, they had wagons and horses and as the road got narrower, they said, okay, wagon's too heavy. They, they, they took off the things that were in the wagon, and they put it on the horse. And they walked next to the horse. And then the road got narrower. And as they were going, by the way, it was no longer to burden the animal with so much stuff. They took the things off the animal, and they put themselves on the horse. And the further they walked down, that road got narrower until they had to get rid of the horse. I don't know what they did with it. They didn't push it off the cliff. But they got rid of the horse until to the point they said, you know what, even our shoes are too dangerous to walk in. Friends, as people of God, as children of God, and I say this to myself, not to you, we have to learn to live with less. Amen? Amen? Simple life. Yet somehow, I find that the longer I live, the more burdens and things I have that weigh me down to this world. Friends, this ground is especially talking to me. But lastly... But that on the good ground, verse 15, are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, do what? Do what? Keep it. And bring forth fruit with what? Patience. Friends, the difference between this ground and the other three 
is they kept it. It was not enough. It is not enough just to hear the Word of God. It will only take you so far. You have to keep it. Amen? But what does this mean in relation to the faith of Jesus? What sort of trials, what was the greatest trial that Jesus went through that tested his faith? It began a few short hours before he was crucified. You'll read this in all four Gospels, where Jesus, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he knelt on a rock And he said, my father, if it be possible, I want you to please take this cup away from me. In his human soul, he said, Lord, father, I do not want to die for these people. Did you know that? In his human agony, he cried out to God saying, Lord, this is too much for me to bear. Please take this cup away from me. But then he said this, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And there he was strengthened to drink the cup to to be able to die for you and me on Calvary. Friends, what does it mean to have the faith of Jesus. What does it mean to live by His faith? You see, God does not expect us to die for our sins today. Amen? Amen. Oh, come on. You should be more joyful than that one. God does not expect us to die for our own sins today. Amen? Amen? He bore that cross long, long ago. But yet, the Bible still says, if you come with me to Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, the Bible still says this, Matthew 16 and verse 24, then Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, Let him deny himself, take up his cross, not Jesus' cross. Jesus' cross is too heavy for us to bear, my friends. We each have a cross to carry. Take up his cross and follow me. Friends, what is the cross that Jesus is calling you to carry today? In Galatians 2.20, the Bible says what? For I am what? Crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but who? Christ now lives in me. That's the life that we live. To be crucified with Christ is to allow Jesus to live in and through us. But the way that Christ can live in us, His words must dwell in us. 
Because it is that very word that Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17. Please turn with me there. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17. Speaking about the armor of God. It says, and take the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. The very thing that can kill our self, our old man, so that Jesus can live in us, is the Bible. Amen? The very thing that can help us to carry this cross is the Word of God. And Jesus living in and through us. Ephesians 6, 17. This is the way that we can kill our old man of sin. This is the only way that we are able to keep the Word of God and to do it. If you'll please come with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And starting in verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in what? The newness of life. Doesn't that sound like a transformation of life? Amen? That Jesus Christ is living through you? For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is free from what? Sin. It's the very thing that we talked about yesterday. Friends, in order to have the faith of Jesus, we must be buried with him. In baptism, yes. But when we come up out of that baptismal pool, we should be what? Walking in newness of life. And when you're walking like Jesus, you are not committing what? Sin. So I have an experiment here to do. If you're baptized, please stand up. Okay, I'm not, it's not an appeal, don't worry. If you're baptized, please stand up. And it's not meant to embarrass those that are sitting down. But if you've never sinned since you've been baptized, please stay standing. Our cameraman had to make sure he sat down as well. <laughs> but we understand. Are you telling me that I, I should be sitting, but I'm standing? Um, are you telling me that all of us have sinned since we've been baptized? But yet the Bible here says that when we are baptized, we kill our old man, and he should stay dead, right? And when he's dead, you're free from what? Sin. But yet somehow, every single one of us, myself included, we have all sinned since we've been baptized. What's the problem? 
We have only two options. Either the Bible is lying, or there's something wrong with our experience. Right? There's only two options that we have. Either God, what you said is not possible. If we've been baptized, it's not possible to not sin after that. Or, there's something wrong with our experience. What do you think? <laughs> Most of us are not brave enough to say the Bible's lying. But the chances are, is there's probably something wrong with our experience. Amen? Amen? Amen. Just want to make sure that you don't believe that the Bible's lying. But what's wrong? If you come with me to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. I think this word, this verse, spells it out very clearly. And it's going to tie right back in to what we've been studying this evening. The Bible says, pardon me, did I say verse 8? I meant verse 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Do you know what the Bible says there? If you are born of God, it is an impossibility to sin. If you're born of God, you cannot sin. Amen? Amen. It is possible to stop sinning. Amen? Amen? But the Bible here says that we have to be born of God, which is another word for baptism. But the key is found in the next part where it says, For his seed remaineth in him. My friends, according to Luke 8, what is the seed? It is the word of God. You see, friends, it is impossible to keep the word of God if you are not spending time in the word of God. And it is impossible to kill that old man of sin if you're not using the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You have been hearing the Word of God throughout this day. In the morning devotion, in our seminars, and this evening as well. But my friends, have you spent time personally with Jesus this evening? Sorry, have you spent time with Jesus today? Do you know Him personally? Because if you haven't killed the old man of sin this morning in your morning devotion, Coming to seminars like this is not enough just to hear the Word of God. Because you could be like the first ground, or the second ground, or the third ground. But you know what? It is not too late. You can go back to your rooms this evening. 
Put away the things that are not important, like socializing with your friends, and on Facebook, and on the internet, or over the phone. But you can spend time in something that really matters. His name is Jesus. And He loves you. He loves you so much. Because He struggled with that sin so many years ago. He sweats great drops of blood just for you and for me. And as He hung on that cross with nails pierced through His hands and His feet, while people walked by and mocked Him, He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He loves you. Do you love Him? Are you willing to give some time to your Savior this evening? My 45 minutes is up. But are you willing to give some of your time, be it your sleep time, be it your social time, whatever that time is, are you willing to give that to Jesus? As our sisters come and share a song, I have an appeal to make. But as they sing these words, I pray that these words would sink deep into your heart. That as you ponder the words of this song, that you would be thinking about that Savior who bore that shameful cross so long ago. Why? Because He loves you. Friends, do you love Jesus? I don't know if Jesus still feels that pain. But I know I've been a part of it. And yet here He gives me another chance to be able to speak to people just like myself, a sinner in need of a Savior. Friends, do you love Jesus? If you love Jesus, I'll just, I want to ask you to stand at this moment. Just stand. My question is this, though. How much do you love Him? How much do you love Him? Are you tired of playing games? Are you tired of playing with this world? Is there something in your life that needs to change tonight? That you realize that every time you go back to your home, every time you know that you're in your room, in the secret places of your heart, you crucify again the Son of God. Friends, brothers and sisters, how much do you love Jesus? Do you love Him enough to stop breaking the Sabbath? Do you love Him enough to stop playing with all these games 
on the, your phones and your tablets that you know is an invention of the, of the devil? Do you love him enough to say, Lord, everything I have, it's yours. And maybe some, someone out there this evening is standing there saying, Lord, there is some part of my heart that I have not given to you yet. Because I like it. Because it feels good. Because it gives me the pleasure that I like when I get stressed out. But Lord, tonight I realize there's something better. There's something better. Friends, is there something in your life that you know needs to change tonight? I want to ask you to come forward because I want to have a special prayer for you. And the reason why I'm coming forward is because I stand here just like you. And that as you come forward, you make sure tonight you go home and you apply these changes. Come forward, come in. Because friends, it's not enough to hear the Word of God. You must keep it. You must apply it. You must make it real in your life. You know you need to change. And friends, it's not too late. Come in, come in. Is there anybody else? Walking forward it is uncomfortable. But it takes a strong decision. Yet Jesus decided for us even stronger when He was kneeling in the Garden of Gethsemane. Is there anybody else that say, Lord, I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of fooling around with this world. Tonight, I want to give you my heart. 120% everything, Lord, everything. Take it. I know I need to change. Is there anybody else? You come forward now and you tell the Lord. You tell the Lord. Let us pray. Father in heaven, God of mercy and God of grace, Lord, thank you. Thank you for being so patient with us. Even though we've run away from you, yet you are still standing here tonight with your arms stretched out wide. My son, my daughter, give me your heart. And Father, there are some here this evening that have come forward. Lord, somewhere amongst all the things I've said, your Holy Spirit has touched their heart. And they're tired, Lord, of the life that they've been living. Tonight, they have come forward because they want to make a change in their life, Lord. Please, help them. Give them the strength to carry through with this conviction. Lord, I pray that it is more than just a feeling. 
but that truly your spirit has convicted them this evening. Lord, I know as there always are, there is somebody out there that is wavering on a decision whether they should choose you or choose the world. Lord, I pray that you would draw close to this person right now. Show them that there is something better. And so, Father, I pray that you would live in us this evening that you would draw closer to us and that, Father, we would truly be converted and your word can be written in our heart. Please, Lord, be with all of us here this evening as we walk out those doors. Please, help us not to forget our decision this evening. Thank you for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you, my brothers and sisters. May we remember this decision that we have made. That the decision would not be one that would go into the record books saying that we tried but we failed. But oh, friends, that we tried and that we had victory. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.